This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. The Ice Bucket Challenge. Many of you have done it. Many of you have seen it. It has obviously been wildly successful with more than $30 million in donations in the last month to the ALS Association. We're going to look at the effect it's having on the fight against ALS and the viral success of these videos. Well, I have done it. Sports stars, TV and movie stars, and just about everybody on Facebook has done it. The Ice Bucket Challenge. It started as a way to raise awareness from a former Boston College baseball player who had been diagnosed with the deadly affliction. It first came to the forefront, of course, back in 1939, when Yankees legend Lou Gehrig had to retire from professional baseball early because of amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, and it has been the unofficial charity of baseball ever since. But the case of Pete Frades, that former Boston College baseball player, caught many people's attention because his friends started dumping buckets of ice water on their head as they challenged friends to do the same as a way for people to, in some respects, wake up to the nature of the disease. And millions of people around the globe have. As of yesterday, the ALS Association has received $31.5 million in pledges. Normally, they would get about $1.5 million during that same time frame. To find out more about the program and the fight against ALS, we welcome Tony Heil, who is the communications director for the Philadelphia chapter of the ALS Association. But there is also the viral nature of this whole program through social media. And to look at that, we welcome Wharton, Wharton's Jonah Berger as well. So, Tony and Jonah, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Great, great to have you both. Me. Tony, we'll start with you. How close was I to the actual number on the donations? I saw that report in the papers yesterday. Well, that was yesterday, and the latest numbers um, have a big jump up to 48, $41.8 million, uh, compared to $2.1 million this time last year. Wow, that, that's just stunning. That, that, that's just amazing. And the amazing thing is the, the amount of people that we have seen do this. And we wanted to put together a little clip, a little sample of what we've seen so far. So for everybody that's listening, take a listen to this. Yesterday, Governor Chris Christie challenged me to the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Governor, I accept your challenge. I'm here to join the people bringing attention to Lou Gehrig's disease by taking the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Hi, I'm Michael Jordan. I'm answering my ice bucket challenge for ALS. Here we go. <laughs> you heard first Mark Zuckerberg, and then Mark Zuckerberg, of course, challenged Bill Gates, and Michael Jordan got challenged as well. Uh, Tony, uh, sitting back and watching all this, this just has to be amazing to see what has happened over the last, what, five weeks? Uh, even less than that. and It's amazing, overwhelming. There's so many adjectives to put it. Um, and it's been a real roller coaster for us. Uh, here at the ALS Association, we care really deeply for the families that we're involved with and the amount of money pouring in nationally and locally is really amazing and the awareness too, um, but also seeing the effect it has on these ALS families really makes every day 
even better. Now, the the numbers that, that you just read out, are those actual physical cash donations that you have at this point, or are these the, the donations that people uh, ha- have uh, committed to make? These are donations. Okay. And that comes from 739,000 new donors. Wow. Not counting existing donors who have donated already before. So I don't know what those existing donor numbers are, but that's obviously combined close to a million. <laughs> 739,000 people in a, in, a, in a month. In a month. That's, that's incredible. Obviously, the message is important, but how, how important is this money to try and find a cure? It's incredibly important. There's been funding cut nationally uh, from through the NIH for research generally, um, and yeah, every dollar can add up. Um, research funding is different from patient services funding. For example, if we had an extra $20, we can buy $20 worth of equipment for a person with ALS, and we do yeah. that. Um, but you can't just buy $20 worth of research. Um, it's not like, well, well, now we have enough beakers so we can do it. Uh, it's You have to be able to find the best science and commit to uh, large research projects. And having this funding will allow the ALS Association, through a peer review process, really look at more projects that they could fund that they couldn't before. And that's going to make a tremendous difference, um, hopefully towards finding a treatment and yep. giving people with ALS and their families a lot more hope during this devastating disease. Jonah, sitting back and, and seeing this, and, and as somebody that, that studies the viral nature of a lot of different uh, things, what's been your reaction to this? This is an amazing success story. Uh, and, you know, we see things go viral often. Uh, we don't often see them in the nonprofit community. And this is a great example of the power of, of word of mouth. And in today's day and age, social media to help causes get attention for what, what they're doing and, and really uh, grow donations beyond what they could have done otherwise. Uh, obviously, Jonah, in, in terms of how, how this has all happened, I don't think many people knew the exact backstory with the case of, of Pete Frades and, and being a former Boston College baseball player and being uh, afflicted with ALS. But there is something about the nature of, of the American public that just has made this catch on, isn't there? You know, it's not just the American public. It's the way we share things. Uh, it's not random or luck why some things uh, like this ice bucket challenge catch on. There's a science behind it. There's some yeah. key principles that drive people to pass things on and cause us to want to imitate others. And so this campaign has really hit a lot of the key principles that drive all sorts of products and ideas to catch on. And that's one big reason for its success. What is it that that, that you've studied that really makes a campaign or videos like this really just take off? We've looked at all sorts of products and ideas online and offline, uh, tens of thousands of brands. Uh, and what we find is that there are six key factors that again and again drive all sorts of products and ideas to catch on, drive content to go viral. Uh, I just recently have a, a popular press book I put out uh, talking about these. It's called Contagious, Why Things Catch On. And it summarizes over a decade of, of research in the area. We talk about six key factors, or we call them steps. Um, and in this case, you know, four of them are play. There's, there's social currency, there's emotion, uh, it's very public, and it has a story. And so each of these is a factor that drives content to be shared and drives initiatives like this to, to catch on. In that book, uh, Contagious, one of the things uh, you mentioned that as a way to kind of push an item is uh, that there will sometimes be a push behind using marketing or ad money. This had nothing of that, did it? 
It doesn't. And indeed, people don't trust ads. Uh, you know, so ALS might have gotten up and said, hey, we have a really worthy cause, just like many uh, organizations do. But people say, oh, you know, lots of causes say they're worthy. No one's going to put out an ad that says, hey, our cause is not so worthy. It's the 15th most important cause in the United States. If you don't want to donate to the other 14, you know, go along with us. Right. Everyone says their stuff is important. But when people see their friends doing something, you know, they see their friend getting a bucket poured on them uh, on Facebook or something like that, they wonder, well, what is this? And yeah. when someone asks you, you know, challenges you directly, you can't turn it down. And so each of these factors really helps it be more likely to catch on and, and spread just like a virus might. Tony, there there is an aspect to this that, that I think you have to tie in with, with Boston itself. Uh, and, and I say that because of the nature of what that town is like. It's a lot like here in Philadelphia, where you have a lot of blue-collar people who really care a lot about their community. Not that That's to say that it's any different from a lot of other cities across the country. But there really is a community feel, and that community feel extends from not just the people that live there, but it, it obviously has kind of it goes into their sports teams it goes into their government it goes into a, a lot of different aspects and i think once that started to kind of float into some of those other avenues it's when it really took off oh definitely and you know the boston area like you said very much like philadelphia and other communities in the country and you know you need an area like that that can do it. If you were in a certain town or city, um, and I'm not going to name one because that wouldn't be good. Sure, uh, yeah. Um, where it didn't have that same community. Um, you know, there's certain parts of the country where people really um, aren't from there. They've moved there to retire or they've moved there for work, and so they don't have as many roots there. Um, and it might not have the same impact. But having it grow from Boston makes a big difference. And then partly because those Boston connections end up having national connections. I yeah. think that so many of us know somebody from New England, and it's a great market because that can go to New York, it can go to uh, obviously Philadelphia, Washington, et cetera, so it's a really great place for things to spread. I'd also like to say that I've bought and read Jonah's book earlier this year, and I do highly recommend it. <laughs> well, that, that, there's the endorsement that you need. Uh, I, I guess the other part about this is that that – Tony, the people are so creative in terms of some of the ways that they've gone about this. I've seen several people pour water into the front of a front-end loader and load it up with ice and douse themselves with that. We've seen people diving into into tubs of water, that type of stuff. There's there's a variety. It's not just taking a small bucket and putting some ice in it and pouring it over your head. Exactly. And and really, the the pouring it over your head is the easiest part before, but... Um, we saw Paul Bissonnette, the hockey player who had a helicopter drop water on him. Yeah. Uh, we've had celebrities who did all sorts of crazy things, Bill Gates's video. And what's great about that is that makes those videos more viral. And it's also fun to us at the ALS Association. Um, I post something on my Facebook page, and um, someone from the other association said, oh, did you have something to do with this? And I said, I'd love to take credit for it, but no. <laughs> Has there come up with the idea of putting a, a, a best of best of the bucket challenge out there yet? Well, I know that there have been places like BuzzFeed and a few other sites that have yeah. shared some of those best of. And um, what's terrific is that those news sites are sharing those things on their own. And um, that means that uh, you know, we're not really involved with them sharing it, and it just shares it more. Uh, so we haven't done that ourselves. 
partly because we haven't had the time to do that. Sure. Uh, you're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. Dan Loney with you here on the show today. one 844 We'd love to hear from some of you, maybe somebody that has done the Ice Bucket Challenge, maybe somebody that has uh, had a story of uh, someone afflicted with ALS in their life. I, I personally have not, but I have a friend of mine who I worked in baseball with for many years uh, who has a friend who was a reporter who died from uh, ALS. And the one thing he mentioned in his Ice Bucket Challenge, uh, Tony, and, and I'll bring this up to you, is not only do you have to try and donate money towards the cure, but you also have to be aware of the aspect of the care that people need, whether it be nurses day-to-day or, or hospice or whatever it might be, that these are a lot of the costs ensued or by, by families that that are just as, in some cases, debilitating as the disease itself. Oh, definitely. This is a disease that affects whole families, uh, especially since it's a disease that strikes people of pretty much all ages. Uh, the um, majority might be in there between 40 and 70, but we've had people as old as 95 and as young as 18 diagnosed. And that means that it creates a financial and physical and emotional burden on their spouse, um, their parents often who become caretakers, uh, their children. Many of our families here have young children um, and their grandchildren and so on. So it's a disease that doesn't just affect the person who's living with it. And also partly because the disease is so rapid, yeah. um, with people declining quickly and the average life expectancy only two to five years from diagnosis, uh, that those financial burdens and physical challenges um, come up so quickly for people who are dealing with it that they don't have time to adjust. Right. And it's not something that they're prepared for. It's not something where, like certain illnesses that you might think, oh, well, when I'm 65, this is going to happen to me, and I should start investing now and think about it. It's something that they didn't think, I'm, I better have a quarter million dollars available because I'm, ALS is going to get worse tomorrow. Jonah, it, it goes without saying that, that the importance of this cause is one aspect to this. The amazing part is how social media has affected this whole uh, ALS fight and just the ability of social media to really carry a lot of different topics, a lot of different issues, whatever it might be. It, it just goes speaks to the volumes and the breadth that social media can reach, doesn't it? It, it does and it doesn't. I think uh, it's easy to see a success like this and say, ah, without social media, it never would have happened. Um, but if you actually look at the data, if you look at what percent of of word of mouth is online, it actually would surprise people. Most people think, ah, you know, 50% of word of mouth is online, 60% of word of mouth is online. Only about 7% uh, of word of mouth is actually online, much smaller than what we might think. And so, uh, yes, online allows things to be shared faster and easier than they, than they could be otherwise, but we still share a lot of things offline. There are a lot of causes uh, and initiatives and, and things that catch on and become popular offline as well. And so, I think, you know, more important than the technology, it's important for us to understand the psychology. I'm sure there are, you know, hundreds if not thousands of organizations out there that would love to be ALS right now. They would love to figure out, you know, how can we, um, the ALS Association, how can we get something like this? How can we find that secret sauce? And it's, 
it's not just about, well, let's hop on the social media bandwagon. It's about understanding why people share things in the first place and right. really how to build social movements around these causes. One of the ones that, that we saw in the last few years, totally on a, on a different realm, but that type of thing was the, was the, that crazy video a couple of years back, Gangnam Style. I, I mean, that was just something that I, I think everybody had to see and everybody had to pass on in some respects. Well, one thing you're talking about, you know, is, is how surprising the content is. Um, yeah. And I think one thing that, that Gangnam Style uh, and uh, the uh, Ice Bucket Challenge have in common is they're both pretty surprising. You know, uh, you watch that the Gangnam Style video, you can't figure out what's going on. It's a little weird. Yeah. Um, the Ice Bucket Challenge, you're trying to figure out why is someone pouring a butter of wa- wa- bucket of water on themselves. The first time you see it, you can imagine how cold it must be. And, and that high arousal motion, uh, those emotions really drive people to share. They cause us not just to watch it, but to think about, well, who could I pass this on to? And as a result, uh, the thing is more likely to propagate. One of the principles you brought up a little bit ago in terms of social currency, and, and it's interesting because there is that, that nature of, of people wanting to feel like they're part of something. They're on the inside of something, isn't there? Well, I think there's, there's three things going on here related to social currency. First, as you nicely noted, people don't want to be left out. Sure. Right? Anytime you're at a cocktail party and someone's talking about uh, something, whether it's a brand, whether it's a new band, whether it's a museum show, or whether it's something going viral on the web, you don't want to be the only person in that group who has no idea what they're talking about and have to say, oh, yeah, sure, and then go look it up online when you get home. So something seems like it's getting bigger. Everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon and be part of it. But there are also two other important things here related to social currency. The first is this is a good cause, and by supporting yeah. it, you look pro-social. Um, so it's hard to say no. You know, it makes you look good to be part of this movement, just like it made people look good to wear a Livestrong wristband, and yeah. just like it makes people look good to be environmentalists. So that makes people want to do it. But there's also the challenge aspect of it. It reminds me, uh, I don't know if, if you remember Back to the Future, but, you know, Marty McFly, they used to, he said, you know, you check in, are you going to be able to do this? And you <laughs> wouldn't be able to say no. And it's a direct challenge here. It's almost like a duel. You know, you're calling yeah. out a friend of yours. It's very hard for that friend to say no. And it's a signal of who they are. And so they want to step up to the challenge and they do it. And they figure out, well, who else can I pass this on to? And it's almost the best type of chain layer in that respect. And, and uh, Tony, I, I think one of the things, and I noted it in, in the video that I did when, when I got challenged by somebody and, and challenged a couple other people, is that as important as it is to, to do the ice bucket and, and pour that over your head, it is more important to actually make the donation. It's kind of started off as this either or. You either you know make the donation or you do the challenge. But I think we see more and more people actually do both. Correct? Yeah, I think most people are donating some amount. They might not donate a hundred dollars. They might donate fifty or ten. Right. Um, but I've had neighbors of mine who said, well, here, I'm giving you money. I was like, all right, great, thanks. Um, you know, it's just come out of nowhere. And I think, um, uh, like Jonah was saying, that social aspect of talking to people has made a big difference because my neighbors who know that I work for the ALS Association have talked to me about it, friends have talked to me about it, um, people here in our office have gone around and, done, and seen people and friends who are doing it. And so it's become a big conversation topic as a result. Jonah, is there any data that you've seen or, or, or collected in terms of how long a video like this can continue to play out? Like how long can we expect to see Ice Bucket Challenge videos on Facebook and, and YouTube and Twitter? 
one person pointed out that these things will stick around until it gets too cold outside. Uh, and I think that, you know, that's definitely one way to look at it. Uh, but, but another is just, you know, while you're right that many people are aware of this, um, and, you know, a huge amount of money has been donated, there are still, you know, millions, if not tens, if not hundreds of millions of people that have not heard about this yet. Yeah. Uh, and so in some sense, you know, uh, it's spreading between different communities. Uh, you can think about it as, you know, spreading within different states in the United States. Certain states are probably well aware of it. Others are not so much. And so while it's old in certain areas, you know, while it'll pass through the news cycle, maybe in the, in the Philly area and the Boston area in the next couple months, um, I'm sure there are many places in the U.S. and around the world that haven't even heard of it yet. So uh, uh, it'll take some time to trickle through those groups. And, and I'll ask this to you both and, and to see if e- either one of you know. Uh, uh, the nature of this, really, obviously, most of us here in the U.S. have seen them because they are friends of ours or, or acquaintances of ours that are here in the U.S. Do we know how, how much this has gone outside of the United States? I can tell you that I've seen videos from Ukraine, from Turkey, from Brazil and from Aruba, and those are videos that are in some way connected to me personally or okay. our chapter. So that's just a couple anecdotal. So I know that there are a lot more. I think someone even told me about one in China as well. So obviously that's not the, there's not as many in those countries as there are here, but sure. the, it's been reaching out those areas for sure. Jonah, have you uh, found out anything about that? You know, I think um, what Tony said is is perfectly correct. And I think the real benefit, you know, what, what social ties are, what social networks are, is bridges that allow information or influence to get off an island. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, you know, you can see the U.S. is an island, and, you know, it started to circulate around this island. Most people on our island know about it, but now it's going to reach out to the Ukraine and Russia and China. And then the next person people ask, as long as those people are within those countries, it'll spread further within those countries. And, and that's the great opportunity here. You know, just like some chain letters can reach out around the world many times, I think um, this cause is going to get continued donations throughout the world through, throughout the next couple months. Tony, what do we know at this point in terms of trying to find a cure for ALS? Well, it's been 75 years since Lou Gehrig left baseball, and we still don't have a very effective treatment. There's one drug called Riliotech that extends life by a few months, and even then it's hard to always quantify how long, how effective it's been. Um, There are some great treatments happening and some great research. Unfortunately, uh, funding in Washington has been cut for research everywhere, and so we we would love to be further along than we are. Um, There's a lot of things we know now that we didn't five years ago three years ago even, so that's promising. Um, but considering that, like I said, the disease is people pass away after two to five years usually, yeah. saying that we have treatments that might be available in five years, which I'm not saying that, but you know, saying that, well, it'll take at least another couple of years, that's not good enough. Sure. Um, and so um, we have a lot of work that's happened here in the Philadelphia area, in the Hershey area, um, uh, along the East Coast and all over the country and all over the world. Um, there's a lot more that we know now um, because technology's improved. So 15 years ago, it was a huge deal that caused like maybe uh, a billions of dollars to map the hum- human genome. And now doctors and researchers can literally have their own personal genome mapped on their cell phone for like $1,000. So where we'll be in five years um, because of the advance in technology and understanding it's hard to tell. I, I'm I'm hopeful, 
Um, but considering I see friends of mine passing away from this disease too too often through my work here, you know, even for me, thinking about five years feels too far away. It, it, it's one thing to see uh, all of these stars do it and all the people that we know very well, but it really is something else, Jonah, when you see somebody that is afflicted with ALS do this, correct? I think so. I mean, it really pumps up that emotion. It really brings home how important this is. And, you know, one issue that people have talked about, some controversy around the ice bucket challenge has been, well, people don't even really understand what they're donating to. People don't even really understand the disease. And I, you know, I'm of of two minds uh, about that point. I think it's true. Uh, and I think ideally you would love everybody who finds out about this challenge to be more aware of the disease, not just donate, not just take part in the easy aspect of it. That said, if you're increasing donations and even some portion of the people that participate in the challenge become more aware of the disease, I think it's good for the ALS Association at the end of the day. And so, you know, I think as long as some people are becoming more aware, they're seeing some people actually have ALS, they're learning more, and they realize the deep importance of this cause, at the end of the day, that, that's a win for the ALS Association. Tony, obviously there have been, uh, so, uh, as uh, Jonah mentioned, there have been critics out there on a, on a, a couple of different topics with this. One which boggles my mind is that people are complaining about the fact that water is being wasted. And I understand there are portions of the world that that have water issues. And I know California is going through a, a serious drought right now, but it just boggles the mind. And I'm, I'm guessing yours as well, th- that we see these type of things in a, in a part of an effort that is only but good. Right. I, um, to quote a philosopher, haters going to hate. Uh, the, <laughs> but, you know, I think that people often want to, there's always people that want to criticize something that's become popular. Yeah. Um, and to people who feel like, um, who want to criticize, I invite them to meet our families and see the struggles that they're going through yeah. and what this has meant to them. Um, you know, I'm sure that there's people who are doing this and, um, and they're doing it not because of ALS, but they're doing it because of friends. But that's a minority. I yeah. mean, if there's some people that are taking advantage of that, and in addition to that, the cause has raised $41 million, then I don't care that they did that. I care that they were making a difference for our families. That's my focus. Tony, thanks very much for coming on the show and, and shining a little light on this. Jonah, great to talk to you again, and I look forward to talking to you down the road. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.com. Dot edu.